Do you want to know who's the hottest president? Doesn't make you glow to learn sick cabello. reward you will earn if you spend some time with us we all dress like your dad and wear glasses we assure you it's not that bad with three dudes wearing glasses my name is Gus, and I'm wearing a blue and green plaid shirt. My name is Mitchell, and I'm wearing a green shirt that says, Who boy, I want to talk about the Tasmanian tiger, but our banter will never naturally lead us to that. <laughs> Damn, I want one of those shirts. I know, right? Evan, who are you? My name is Evan, and I'm wearing a gray button-up under a gray fleece. And we are three dudes wearing plaid. Every week on the show, we learn something brand new. The only catch is we know... This is the first time I've ever fucked up the intro. And I think it's because we do know what we're going to talk about because of Mitchell's very cool and very real shirt. (laughs) My shirt is too powerful. Anyway, the catch is we have no idea what we're going to be learning about yet. Except we do. And that's that other time when it was predetermined. And that other time. The the other time it was predetermined, I went into it by dropping very aggressive hints. Mitchell just straight up said it. Mitchell just straight up said it. Yep, I've been thinking about it for four weeks. That's and a I, very long time to be thinking about one animal. And Mitchell, if you, why have you been thinking about the Tasmanian tiger for four weeks? Well, Did something prompt this? I saw a picture of one and I wanted to talk about it. No, honestly, that's fair. <laughs> um, um, but when you see the picture, you'll understand. And if you listen to the last four episodes, you could probably hear me trying to sneak in clues of trying to get us to Tasmanian <laughs> tiger and just failing this is an miserably. Is now? Could be. Who knows? This is our series arc. <laughs> oh god okay well i mean listen it's it's nice to know it's nice to be doing another animal episode we haven't had one of those since episode three indeed and i guess kind of the last episode if you count baphomet baphomet's not an animal baphomet's part an animal. animal baphomet is very much alive and the tasmanian tiger is very much not oh god no what happened to it well gus it's funny you should ask because the thylacine or Tasmanian tiger is an extinct carnivorous marsupial native to the to the Australian mainland and the islands of Tasmania and New Guinea. Um, Sorry, I think I just found the picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The uh, last known live animal was captured in 1930 in Tasmania, and we have some photos of it. But just jumping straight down to the extinction area era. Let's see. Apparently, Australia lost more than 90% of its larger terrestrial vertebrates by around 40,000 years ago, and mm-hmm. probably because of human causes, according to a 2010 paper. And the Tasmanian tiger got near to extinction a couple of times on mainland Australia, multiple 
avoided it and then eventually went extinct, but not on Tasmania, the coolest mm. island. But it, it, it is extinct? It, just it is extinct now. Was on Tasmania for longer? Yes. The last known thylacine to be killed in the wild was shot in 1930 by a man named Wilf Batty. Yeah, I bet he was. Who was really the Israel Putnam of Tasmania. Ugh, don't get me fucking started on Israel Putnam. I'm so angry about that. It's interesting that it is extinct because there is, in fact, a New Yorker article. Sorry, New Mm. York Times article Mm. from March 10th, 2021 by Asher Elbane called Tasmanian Tigers are Extinct. Why do people keep seeing them? (laughs) They were declared extinct in 1936, as as mentioned. But on February 23rd of 2021, Neil Waters, president of the Thylacine Awareness Group of Australia, promised conclusive photographic proof of a surviving thylacine. And? Analysis by thylacine specialists rapidly debunked the photos as a case of mistaken identity. But Uh, this event is the latest in a tradition of extravagant claims about photographic or video evidence of lost or unknown species. Does it say what he mistook it for? Not entirely clear. There's a video uh, called Thylacine Joey Photo, but it's also 19 minutes long. Yeah, no, no, no. We don't have time for that. So you can watch the video yourself if you're very very curious. I'm going to scroll through this article to see if I can find what was mistaken for a thylacine. But yeah. given that it's a marsupial with tiger stripes and kind of a dog face, and this was in Australia, I'm guessing either a, like a dingo, maybe. Yes. Or some mm-hmm. sort of dog animal. Well, and that's the thing, right? The the distinctive features of it are it has the stripes, but only on the back half. And they're only kind of somewhat darker than the fur. So if it's kind of walking around in the woods and you see a a, a dog with some shadows on it, you're like, (gasps) and they usually don't do that awesome jaw thing that they can do like when they're walking around. Can you describe the awesome jaw thing, please? I would love to. The awesome thing that they can do, and there's one of the few surviving photographs we have of the thylacine, is they can do the, they can unhinge or like distend their jaw like a snake does. And so they can like pop it open about to double the size so that they can eat big stuff. I love that for them. Yes. Apparently, this is a Science Illustrated article from 2011, which is saying, like, the the jaw size normally uh, is pretty weak and it could have only eaten smaller prey. So maybe the ability to open your mouth bigger and chomp down on stuff are ways of preventing like too much stress to your jaw bones and having them break, which if you're a carnivorous animal usually means you die. Right. I have a fun little fact. The Mm -hmm. thylacine was actually considered endangered officially until the 1980s because at that time the international standards set up by the International Union for Conservation of Nature, which is like who decides like threatened, critically endangered, etc. They said until the 1980s that a species had to have been dead for 50 years before it could actually be considered extinct. Huh. Which is a strange criteria to have. I guess they're like, huh, if you can't find it in 50 years, it probably doesn't exist. Yeah, that's, yeah. I found the animal that was presumably mistaken for a thylacine. Mm -hmm. The animal mistaken for thylacine joeys, the babies, are most likely Tasmanian Patamelons? Paid melons? I think it's Patamelon. P-A-D-E-M-E-L-O-N-S. They Ah. look kind of like wallabies, kind of like really chonky kangaroos. Mm. It's described in this New York Times article as a stout little marsupial. They are a stout little marsupial. And apparently most mistaken thylacine sightings are in fact wild dogs. One of the people, Adam Pask, a thylacine researcher at the University of Melbourne, quoted in this article says, there are quite 
a few ro- wild dogs roaming around Tasmania, so it's very easy to spot a thylacine-looking animal in the bush if you look hard enough and want to see one enough. Mm. And this whole article was just about confirmation bias. Oh, yes. See, that's it's interesting, Evan, that you mentioned that originally, like, because of the standards at the time, the, the actual extinction date was the 80s, because uh, Wikipedia has helpfully linked me to a preliminary, not peer-reviewed, not fully done yet study by Barry W. Brooke et al., which kind of compiles all of the alleged sightings throughout the 20th century, and says that contrary to popular belief that they went extinct in the uh, extinct in the 30s, meaning there weren't any more of them, they may have actually lasted throughout the 20th century, and probably actually went extinct by our definition where there's no more of them in the 80s, or rather sometimes, some, sorry, not the 80s, between the late 90s, early 2000s, and they say kind of because of the equipment that was used used and the lack of like camera traps that have been used to verify extinction and or find like new animals because they find extinct species a lot the example they give here is the zanzibar leopard using these like cameras just out in the middle of the woods that like i think the argument of the study is you couldn't it couldn't really be confirmed until then that it actually was extinct okay that makes sense then although i do i will say people are still looking for this thing but i like the the standard that's being offered by the rest of this wikipedia article which is the rewards section oh uh-huh. Because apparently there have been a number of monetary rewards for people to just find this thing, ranging from uh, 1983, when a man named Ted Turner, an American media mogul, offered $100,000 for proof of the thylacine's existence, which was later withdrawn. I wonder why. Well, yeah. There was a $1.25 million reward by a new Australian news magazine God. for the capture of a live one that was withdrawn at the end of 2005. So it seems to follow the kind of logic of that one reward for, like, proof of being able to do, like, be a psychic that keeps increasing over time. Yeah! Somebody would have gotten this by now. A different New York Times article, because apparently there have been a lot of New York Times articles about the Tasmanian tiger. 3D scans have allowed us, back in 2018, this is an article by Nicholas St. Fleur, to look inside a Tasmanian tiger's pouch. (gasps) Decades and decades after they both actually or even officially went extinct. And there's, you know, there's like the 3D scan of this Tasmanian tiger on here. It's a cross section of a 3D scan of a baby thylacine. Whoa, that is wild. The scans provide insight into, quote, when the Tasmanian tigers left their marsupial inheritance to become more dog-like. They also show the three-dimensional growth of Joey's internal organs and skeletons as they prepare to exit their mother's pouches and enter the world. Oh, marsupials don't have a placenta, so when they give birth, their young are born premature. All of these babies, from koalas to wombats, look like pink jelly beans. Uh, <laughs> That's maybe kind not. of horrifying, but kind of cute. Uh, that is cute. According to these 3D scans, a thylacine's nurse, a change occurs that distinguishes them from other marsupial species. Somewhere from week five to week eight of life, their hind legs and faces elongate, giving them a puppy-like appearance. So they're not born looking like dogs. Uh-huh. And it takes several weeks for them to start looking like dogs and up until that point they just look like regular baby marsupials which is very cool because um, it is an example of like convergent evolution yes convergent. Where, like, yeah. they actually aren't really related to dogs at all but they just look exactly like a dog and because i guess being in tasmania being dog-like was useful um there's an interesting comparison of gray wolf and fox skulls along with other marsupials to tasmanian tigers showing like hey they have a lot of these similar features even though 
they're not at all related. Speaking mm-hmm. of which, of relations, taxonomically, the thylacine is apparently a member of the Dasyuromorphia family. I believe uh-huh. that's the, the family that it's part of. And it has a lot of well-named kind of relatives, including <clears throat> the Numbat, the Dunart. Oh, wait, yes, Numbats are great. Numbat. N-U-M-B-A-T? Numbat. Yeah. yeah. Which look awesome. The Dunart, the Wambanger, and the Quoll. <laughs> I've never heard names. I've Sorry, one heard... of them is called a Wambanger? Oh, oh, W-A-M-B-E-N-G-E-R-S. The... Oh, Banger. The Wambanger, okay. also apparently called Fasco Gales, but why would you ever call it anything other than a Wambanger? Who was naming these things? I Actually, I suppose probably some of them were named after what they were called in indigenous languages. But just hmm. in English, those are insane things to name something. They're awesome, and I love them. So the Tasmanian tiger is part of a wider family of dog-like carnivores that lived in the Australia area called Thylacinidae. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it is the only species that actually managed to survive to the modern era. So there were tons of other sort of Tasmanian tiger-like animals that existed thousands and even millions of years ago. Huh, neat. Very interesting. There is a rock face decorated with Aboriginal art that's about 40,000 years old in Australia that depicts something that looks much like a Tasmanian tiger. That's it's got wild. sort of the dog face and the stripes on the back end. That's like if, if we saw paintings of like saber tigers on rocks and they were just still around like a hundred years ago that's insane yeah i mean yeah it's like if we had video of saber tigers because there's multiple videos of thylacines just mm-hmm. doing their thing according to a mental floss article that i'm reading and wild facts about the now extinct tasmanian tiger by mark mancini my man my man apparently they would sometimes hop around on two legs like kangaroos do <gasps> interesting some footage does show them rearing up on their hind legs for brief periods of time and a few naturalists also reported seeing them engage in some short distance bouncing. So mostly they moved like dogs, but they had powerful enough hind legs to be able to kind of propel themselves on two legs for a short period of time. Awesome, right? They are awesome. I am reading an article by Josh Davis from March of this year, 2021, Year of Our Lord. That's on the site for, I think, the British Museum of Natural History? Uh-huh. Um, in, in South Kensington called Why We Want to Believe Thylacines Still Exist. And there's a there's a doctor, Dr. Anjali Goswami, who is a mammalian researcher and is talking about like various factors that make us or make people, I can't speak for all of us, interested in the Tasmanian tiger. And one of them is the convergent evolution that like they kind of look like our dogs and a lot of people yeah. have dogs. And so they're like, huh, a cooler version of a dog? cool but also there's there's an important factor that this doctor uh, lays out which is that there may be like a, a guilt thing because yeah. they were one of the species that was like deliberately hunted because it doesn't say like what reason but between 1888 and 1909 the Tasmanian government paid for like you to deliver a dead one and this quote here is is amazing which I if you'll permit me to read it in its entirety yeah it wasn't just that we screwed up and they accidentally went extinct because we cut down a rainforest in which they live. It's because we went out to kill the entire species as fast as possible and we paid people to do it. We now have the guilt of having purposely erased, eradicated this unique lineage and for it also to be such a familiar, deeply loved animal. I think that's why people are obsessed with thylacines. And it's like, Ugh. 
Yeah, according to a 2011 study, uh, this is a live science article by Stephanie Pappas about this study. Mm. The reason they were hunted was because they were blamed for attacking farmers' sheep, which is why the government began putting bounties on dead thylacines. Mm. But they weren't attacking sheep, actually. The jaw that it could unhinge super far was pretty Mm -hmm. feeble and didn't have a lot of jaw power. So it wouldn't have been good at biting down on like large struggling prey like a sheep would be. And so the jaw restricted to catching smaller, more agile prey. It likely hunted for smaller marsupials such as wallabies and possums. It probably was not able to take out sheep. So it wasn't even doing the thing that it got blamed for. Yeah, I I will say, like, we've been talking about this for a while, but like a lot of the photos that we have are just in in isolation, like a Tasmanian tiger doing awesome stuff. But there's a couple that have like people for reference. They're not much bigger than like a Jack Russell Terrier. They're pretty small. That is quite small. They ain't hurting no sheep. I am currently reading a Guardian article by Gary Nunn. It t- it's about like people who hunt for thylacines and uh, it touches a bit of sort of like the guilt idea that they feel bad that we deliberately killed this one species. But this right. article seems to make the argument that there's also sort of a connection. There is a nice little group of people who enjoy looking for thylacines and spending ridiculous amounts of money on it, such as <laughs> this guy named Cole Bailey, who spent 50 years of his life looking for thylacines as a hobby. And he's Whoa. met a bunch of fun people and they have fun looking for thylacines together. Aww. That's nice. It's weird. All right. Well, good for them. They're not going to find anything. Nope. They're they're not hurting anybody. Right. Oh, interesting. So, turns out the the thylacine lasting significance is uh, not just for people who want to go out and hang out in the woods for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a number of things listed here, but since 1996, the 7th of September has been commemorated in Australia as National Threatened Species Day. So kind oh, of- wow. Yeah, like we did this bad thing. Let's try to remember it and do good things with it. I like that. I'm a fan of that. Was, was the day specifically like because of the thylacine? Yes. Uh, 60 years before that in 1936, it was when the last known thylacine died in um, captivity at the National Zoo. Ah. Also, uh, thylacine has been used extensively as a symbol of Tasmania. It's on the Tasmanian coat of arms, like where you normally oh, yeah. have lions. They're just like hanging out there. That's uh, sick as fuck. Hell yeah. I would like to attempt to alleviate some small measure of the guilt we're all feeling about the Tasmanian tiger dying out. Yet another live science article, this time by Jennifer Welsh. It might not have lasted much longer even if we hadn't hunted it to extinction. We should have protected it and we shouldn't have hunted it to extinction. But Andrew Pask of the University of Connecticut (gasps) found in a study done on remaining thylacine, you know, genetic evidence that it had even less genetic diversity than the Tasmanian devil. If they were still around today, they'd be at a severe risk, just like the Tasmanian devil. Comparing like a particular section of DNA, dogs, like dogs of the same type, I assume, or like wild dogs, average Mm -hmm. about five to six differences in that section of DNA between individuals, where the Tasmanian tiger only averaged one. Oh... So their genetic diversity was extremely low and put would have put them at high risk of dying out just because they didn't have a big gene pool. That's a shame. It, it's, it's a shame and it's sad and we also should not have hunted them to extinction. But in a weird way, it's kind of comforting, question mark, to know that even trying to save them might not have saved them, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. What you said, 
but also this might be like the biggest ratio of like cultural whatever. I just gasped aloud because I just found out buried for some reason in the cultural significance section that there was a movie in 2011 starring Willem Dafoe. What? Called The Hunter about <clears throat> a shadowy corporation who sends a mercenary, Dafoe, to Tasmania to track down a thylacine, supposedly extinct animal whose genetic code holds the secret to a dangerous weapon. What? <laughs> How are they hiding the weapon in the thylacine? What? <laughs> I don't know. It's evidently based on a, a novel called The Hunter from 1999 by um by Julia Lee. Okay. Who was a film? Who's a writer and film director, but who didn't direct The Hunter, the movie based on the book that she wrote. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. Sorry, you're gonna have to give me a second because I am presently reading the Wikipedia plot summary of The Hunter, yeah. and I'm gonna fucking find out what the genetic weapon is. <laughs> While Please you're do. doing that, I have been going deep into the thylacine community. Uh-oh. Oh boy. Uh, there is a online thylacine museum called The Thylacine Museum. TM. It's existed since 1999. It's got a ton of information, tons of sections. What is the thylacine, their behavior, just everything you could possibly want to know. It's on a webpage that looks like it was made in about 2002 and hasn't been updated since. Hmm. But Cole Bailey, who we met earlier, wrote yeah. the foreword for this website in which he says that he still thinks it exists. And he's written two books about Whoa. looking for thylacines. That's two, certainly. <laughs> Two more than we have. Yep. Anyways, there's a giant community of people who are obsessed with the thylacine. Oh my god, wait a minute. You guys remember the cri- the cryptid wiki, cryptids.fandom.com with a Z. Always. Uh-huh. So the thylacine has a page on the cryptid wiki, which uh-huh. they, they note, they acknowledge, yeah, there is proof that they did exist, but we're still going to call them a cryptid because people, I guess, think that they're still around. I mean, um, they're a cryptid now. They weren't because they were a real animal. That's true. But um, now they are. But apparently, and this is only from a, a fandom wiki, so this might not be true. I haven't seen anything else that supports this. But plans to clone a thylacine were made by the Australian Museum in 1999. Oh? <laughs> which is the same year that this museum came out, which is the same year that The Hunter, the book, came out. So 1999 was just like a big year, I guess. I guess. Separately, mm. the Wikipedia plot summary for The Hunter, novel by Julia Lee, yeah. doesn't say why he needs to find the thylacine. <laughs> he kills oh seemingly the last remaining thylacine and then dissects it and burns the body. And it doesn't say why. You know what? I bet they don't say in the movie either. <laughs> What the fuck? Come on, Wikipedia. You could do better than that. I trusted you, Wikipedia, and you let me down. To follow up on the end, to bookend the end of the Cryptids Wiki story, again, allegedly, because they don't link any sources, why would they? They're a wiki. All plans to clone a thylacine failed in 2005 after DNA, not DND, DNA was too (laughs) badly degraded because they had extracted some DNA in 2002 from a thylacine pup that had been, like, preserved. And they'd been able to kind of preserve some of the genes of the thylacine, but they were not able to successfully clone or reconstruct one. Oh, I will note the Wikipedia page for the Hunter 2011 Australian film starring Willem Dafoe also does not say Mm. why or, like, what's in the DNA. But it does say that the 
people looking for the last thylacine are a military biotech company with further instructions to kill all remaining Tasmanian tigers to to ensure no competing organization will get their DNA. According to the New York Times review of the film, Willem Dafoe's mission is to trap the beast and retrieve samples of skin, blood, and organs so that the company can harvest its DNA and develop the anesthetic secreted by the tiger to immobilize its prey. What? Oh, yes, they believed that it had a paralyzing venom in its bite. Oh, that's And the reason he shoots and burns the last one is so that the military biotech company won't get their hands on it. Ah, he becomes a good guy. See, I thought what they were going to go for and why they didn't put it in was because they were trying to do a military, like, Captain America thing, except you don't get strong. You just get the ability to open your mouth real big. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be kind of sick, actually. I'd be down for that. I'd be – listen, if if I was in a military position in a military conflict and I saw a guy running at me and his jaw, like, kept opening, I'd be like, nope, I'm gone. No, I would leave. No, thank you, actually. (laughs) But – well. Anesthetic is also cool. I guess. It's not as cool as unhinging your jaw 120 (laughs) degrees. Well, thanks to Mitchell's very specific and very real shirt, what have we learned today? No, no, no. I feel like we specifically came into an episode once and said, someone said, I want to talk about this. But they didn't have a shirt. I'm sure we did. Oh, yeah. The framing was less kind of underhanded. Did we did we do that for the radio episode where you, Mitchell, came in and said, I want to talk about radio call signs? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. Anyways. It's okay, I'm not gonna... Listen, I listened to our episodes three times, once recording them, once editing them, and once doing the show notes. There is nothing you could do to get me to go back and listen to an episode a fourth time. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You're safe. This is my this is my call to the listeners. Listen back through our episodes, because I'm convinced someone else, and it wasn't me, did it. It was probably me. Send us, send us, send us a, send our email a email. It's in our sh- all of our show notes. It's telling us which episode it was. <laughs> Well, we know it's not Evan, so... Evan's too good. That's true. Evan's too good. Anyway, what have we learned today? The Tasmanian tiger is a marsupial that looks like a dog. It's got 20 stripes on its back, and it went extinct in the 1930s, though many people think it didn't, but they're wrong. Yes, although it resembles a dog, it is, as Evan said, and I will stress, a marsupial known for being able to unhinge their jaw 120 degrees although that jaw was quite weak, so they couldn't have eaten things, I don't know, like a sheep, which uh, farmers claimed they did and used it as an excuse to do an extinction on them. They might have had an extinction done on them anyway due to their extremely low genetic diversity, which we have found out, along with many other things that we found out by studying them post-extinction. There are still some preserved dead Tasmanian tigers, which Mm. we've also used to figure out that they don't look like dogs when they're in the pouch until like week five to eight of their lives when their snouts sort of lengthen out and then suddenly they look like dogs, which is pretty cool. And up until that point, they just look like like regular marsupials. A new paper argues that the Tasmanian tiger may not have actually gone extinct until the 1990s because the evidence and sort of like the camera technology needed to actually prove that they didn't exist was not developed until that point. But because of all of the, the guilt felt about this, there has been a large community and tons of people who are excited about trying to find out if the Tasmanian tiger still exists and proving that it is not actually dead. There are there has been a, correspondingly a lot of cultural impact, including National Threatened Species Day on September 7th, the Tasmanian coat of arms, video game characters that I didn't mention, but I, I will now tie the Tasmanian tiger who's star of a 3D platformer and a villain from Crash Bandicoot. Bandicoot, excuse me. Aw, Bandicoot. Bandicoot. 
as well as a novel from 1999 by Julia Lee Lee, uh, that was turned into a 2011 film starring Willem Dafoe. In which the DNA of the Tasmanian tiger is the secret to some sort of, like, military bioweapon, and the bioweapon is not unhinging your jaw 120 degrees, even though they could definitely do that. Well, this has been fun. I'm glad we talked about it. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. If you hate the show, please unhinge your jaw 120 degrees and inject it with your bioweapon. <laughs> and either way, follow us on Instagram at 3DWPCast. I'm Gus. I'm Mitchell. And I'm Evan. And this has been Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Have a great day. Next time on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. I don't know how to use microphones. I was confusing with macrophones. And I always confuse them with microwaves. As opposed to macrowaves? No, no, no. I've got microwaves and macrowaves. It's microwaves and microphones that just fuck me up. Okay. Okay. How do you know which is which? Well, um. Yes. One of them's straight. That's what I've been doing, but I'm wrong 50% of the time. Uh Because of probability, you see. Hmm, yes. Chance. (laughs) Is that how chance works? Find out next week on Three Dudes Wearing Plaid. Thank mm-hmm.